Huddle Up Podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order? Hey, everyone in, let's go! Huddle up on three, one, two, three, huddle Huddle up. up! No one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is your game now, gentlemen. Russian three, dropping eight. Uyangalale steps up, loads and throws. It's caught. It's tips backwards, up in the air. It's on the ground, still in Clemson's hands. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Fans on their feet. Rally towels are being waved. Brad Lidge stretches. VO2 pits. Look at this. Struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. Eller for the draw. And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974. The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. And now, welcome everyone to the Huddle Up Podcast. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast. We are live on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. And we are uh, glad to be back with you. Took a week off last week, celebrating uh, the end of the football season. Decided to give us a week off. We have a uh, special guest in here tonight. We'll uh, introduce him in just a second. Of course, February the 23rd, 2021. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as uh, subscribe to the show. And uh, get as many people uh, invested in the show as possible. We'd appreciate that. Uh, Sean, welcome back. A uh, couple weeks off. Hope you enjoyed the bye week, so to speak. Yeah, you know, you got you got to use the bye week, uh, kind of rest, regroup, uh, make all the calls you can, make sure you got all the personnel where personnel needs to be. And, uh, and I feel like we've done that. Um, once again, I've avoided another winter storm. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty pleased uh, to be just, Several thousand miles south of of where that storm uh, held off there, uh, so so you know I guess luck's on my side on that one. I don't know. Sure, sure. Rub it in, rub it in, and uh, we want to welcome in our guest. He is a uh, producer at the uh, MLB Network, but we're not going to talk 
just baseball tonight. Longtime friend of Sean's, and obviously because of that, I know I've known him for many years as well. Justin Daniels, Justin, welcome in tonight. How you doing, man? Hey, man, guys, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, so I guess actually, right now, uh, you guys aren't that far apart from each other geographically at the moment because uh, obviously we'll talk about baseball and spring training a little bit, but you're actually uh, in Tampa right now as we speak, right? Yeah, it was funny. Uh, Sean talked to me uh, last week and was saying, hey, you, you wish to actually, no, I'm going to be in Tampa. Uh, this morning I was in Clearwater with the Phillies. Tomorrow I'm going to be in Tampa with the Yankees. Um, here pretty much in Florida throughout the week and uh, next week. So yeah, it's uh, one of the few times, and as you guys have mentioned with the snow and everything else, it's nice to kind of be south and kind of away from that right now. Yeah, I have I have piles in my front yard that like come up past my waist. I'm I'm six three for the for the people that don't know. Like it's just that I'm running out of places to put it at this point. Luckily, now tomorrow we're supposed to uh, be up near. I actually up pushing into the 50s. So there's uh, some some good melting going on at the moment. But Goodness, as James has been putting away piles for most of his life. Well, uh, it's just not always snow. Uh, we putting away piles is, uh, for good chance. Guys got some practice. That is true, but uh, yeah, shoveled out a little bit yesterday. But uh, we are we are hopefully uh, hopefully done with that. Um, we will um, uh, definitely looking forward to spring. But yeah, you can uh, make sure you're following along with the show if you're with us uh, returning or for the first time. Make sure you like and share uh, the live video. We'd appreciate that. And honestly, guys, I was going to start off talking about the Eagles um, and Carson Wentz, but um, news out of the golf world today. Uh, providing us with, with with quite the topic and and um, if for those that that don't know and if you're with us I'm not sure how you don't know yet but uh, Tiger Woods uh, currently hospitalized um, after surgery he had uh, multiple leg injuries the the, the word is um, fractures in both legs a a, um, a crushed ankle they didn't say which one uh, after a vehicle accident in uh, in California. Had to be um, taken from his vehicle in it with the um, jaws of life, um, and and you know so now he is uh, he is obviously recovering from that. Not not too long ago, had had a back surgery uh, that was going to potentially uh, you know delay the start of his of his golf season this year. But uh, pretty pretty scary news um, from the golf world for for obviously the the, the biggest golfer in our lifetime possibly of, of all time um and and now if, if the the reports on the injuries are are true uh and sean we'll, we'll, we'll start with you first and in, in thoughts of, of, about what happened is um you, you know this season looks to be in doubt and and potentially you know this this is something that could be really career threatening for tiger woods so the important part is you know right now today uh seemingly he's he's okay um you know, health wise, but uh, has, has quite a road of recovery in front of him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not something you want to read about, uh, and I and I haven't gotten to get to a lot of those details uh, of the injuries. The last uh, report I had read was um, just kind of of the accident, and that uh, the extent of the injuries wasn't known. Obviously, at this point, no real word as far as you know toxicity levels, things like that. We want to, you know, you know, I hope for his sake. Uh, and for everyone, uh, you know, that that's that that's not um, kind of the cause of everything. But uh, but, yeah, the injuries definitely sound serious enough that we have to, you know, I, I would think you're obviously 
first focus is to to you know get healthy as fast as you can. Uh, but in that amount of time, like you said, with the surgeries and things he's had before, and uh, with with his health uh, kind of in the state it had been in over the past few years, um, it's it's not uh, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's it's kind of one of those scenarios where where you know you just I don't know. I'm sure he'll be taking it one day at a time, but it's it's just kind of a sad. It's just one of those one more stumbling block, one more piece of like this just hard to to arrive at comeback that we've all been kind of waiting for and witnessing and we kind of got the the zenith of it with that masters win and then uh it's just kind of been uh in and out uh since then so it's it's kind of a sad situation definitely uh you know um all the hopes prayers wishes all go uh kind of to the to the woods family and um and uh you know I wish them the best uh, all around but it it definitely looks like uh, this could be this could be kind of that last little blip, maybe not the way you wanted to walk into the sunset, but kind of that like yeah. you know big sign that that's that that should happen. Yeah, the uh, the LA County Sheriff's Department they they released uh, some information earlier, and the re- the reports from them were that it doesn't seem to be any sort of indication at this point that there was any sort of um, you know DUI or anything like that. So so that's obviously a um, you know, a, a bit of refreshing news because, you know, he, he dealt with some issues in the past and, um, you know, and, and, and that doesn't appear to be the case. There were some reports uh, that there was a, an event um, at the course he was headed to. And I don't I forgot I have it was a country club um, that, uh, that he was there yesterday um, and it was a long day. It seemed tired. He was running it maybe a little bit late today. And I, I guess the road that he uh, crashed on is kind of notorious. Uh, pretty steep uh, decline and, um, you know, is, is kind of notorious for, for accidents because of speed. So uh, hopefully that's just the case. They did say that his uh, that he was wearing his seatbelt and it probably uh, saved his life. So just another reason to uh, wear a seatbelt uh, when, when you are traveling at any time. Um, but there doesn't appear at this point to be any sort of uh, any any sort of, you know, uh, drug or alcohol uh, in related uh, incident to it right now justin your your thoughts on uh tiger and his accent today yeah i mean one of the first things that kind of jumped to my mind especially you know being somebody who travels and i kind of can almost place things in time and frame of, of other things that i'm traveling and other times that i'm away and the first thing that kind of jumped to my mind when i start seeing that espn you know uh information that started coming in was kobe bryant you know just mm-hmm. a year ago you're talking about man here is this, you know, on top of the world athlete, this person that we think as the best of the best of the best of their industry. And something like this that happens completely off the field, off the court, um, that you just go, wait, wait, what just happened? And then you start seeing, oh, he's going in for an immediate surgery. And it just makes your mind start thinking. And this was just, you know, about a year ago um, when we were talking about the same situation with Kobe, not having any kind of expectation like anything like this would happen and it just pops up out of the blue um, and it just makes you really you know sit down and think and you're just surprised by it uh, and like Sean said I mean there's a certain part of it that you want to just kind of push away the hope for that majors title at some point and just think about where he is as a human being and hope for his you know health and safety where he is right now um, but yeah it does make you wonder after that point going what does the future hold how does this affect you know his his stroke, how does this affect his power? How does this affect his walking for that matter? So right. it's, 
it makes you think a lot of extra questions that kind of go in that line. And like I said, for me, just being somebody who travels and just thinking about it, it, it just reminded me of the last time, one of the last times I was traveling last year and hearing the same news about Kobe Bryant of some accident that you didn't expect to hear. And then all of a sudden, there it is, headline news. Well, yeah, and I'm glad that you um, you made a comparison to Kobe Bryant because because um, you know I was kind of thinking along those lines. There's so many times, especially when they're they're at a level of a Kobe Bryant or of a Tiger Woods, but even just you know kind of your lesser known names. I think there's a large part of being an athlete and being on that stage where um, a lot of us kind of forget that they're human, uh, that that there there is that level of humanity that you know. It, that life is still fragile, no matter how many championships you have or how many rings you've won or how many dollars you've made. Um, the same type of risks that, you know, millions of people and billions of people around the world take on a daily or weekly basis, these guys are taking them too. And and I think we just kind of take that for granted because, you know, they keep showing up on our TV and they keep entertaining us or winning titles. Uh, or frustrating us. Uh, you know, it just kind of depends, you know, who we're talking about. But um, but today's definitely one of those days where, you, you know, you have to kind of look twice and, you know, you ask questions like, is this even a real headline or, you know, did somebody, you know, fake this? Um, because we don't expect it uh, and and you never do. So, so yeah, definitely a, a chance to kind of, in my mind, uh, kind of humanize all athletes, especially in this case, Tiger Woods, and, and just remind us that, you know, don't don't take your athletes for granted. Don't take your own life for granted. Uh, all these things uh, are fragile. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, and and you know, we talk. You talked about and mentioned the the, the Masters win two years ago, and and you know now uh, kind of feels uh, like like a, like a million years for for multiple reasons. Obviously, the the, the pandemic has uh, you know changed time and and our and how relevant time feels, but. Um, you know, and in, in the same point, I mean, I remember watching him, him win that masters and having this thought of like, well, you know, you know, can, can maybe he can catch Jack and, and, you know, maybe this is kind of the, this, this, the second coming of Tiger Woods in a way. And, and, um, you know, since then, you know, he hasn't really been able to, to recapture, uh, the dominance of that weekend in Augusta. And then, you know, you, you think of the, the surgery this year and, um, you know, and now this, and, and there's, there's obviously more questions than answers. And, and I definitely don't want to, uh, you know, make any implications because obviously right now the, the primary thing is for him to, you know, get through the surgeries, get through the, the next, uh, coming days and weeks and, and just start to begin to, to recover. But, but, uh, you know, and, and I, I said the same thing to my wife when, when we were eating dinner and I was watching some of the coverage on is, is just like, Man, ever ever since he he won that that Masters two years ago, it just feels like it it has just been this this real quick, um, you know, just just downslide for for Tiger Woods, and it's such a shame because you, you go back to that day and you see the images of, of of him getting the win and um kind of celebrating with with the other guys in the field, which was very different than you know the the Tiger the the old Tiger that was just you know, kind of standoffish and, and was, was all about, you know, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to beat your ass. And, uh, there's nothing anybody can do about it if I want to win this tournament. And, you know, it was such a, such a different thing for him and celebrating it with his kids. And, um, it was like, man, this, this human version of Tiger Woods is almost more compelling than, uh, the, the original Tiger. And, and unfortunately in two years later, we're, we're in, in, a completely different situation uh with tiger woods and, and it's a absolutely just you know 
it's 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 heartbreaking in a way and and the the hope now is that um that he can just get back and, and be healthy in in any form or fashion i think you know and this is another reminder like like the kobe bryant thing that um you know health and and family and stuff like that is is far more important than than a game like you know it, golf is a game um any you either of you guys have any other thoughts before we get to uh some of the football talk at hand no no i think uh, i think that pretty much touches on it just you know surprise day not a positive surprise but um you know definitely something to keep an eye on in the next few weeks and i i wish the woods family their best yeah, definitely. All right, let's uh, let's continue here, um, Sean. For you, this is something that we've been talking about, and and um, you know, been been wondering about, and where was the landing spot going to be? And and now we know that uh, Carson Wentz is is headed to Indianapolis, uh, and and he will be uh, traded there. Um, the number two overall pick in 2016 will now be an Indianapolis Colt for a. Uh, 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick uh, that could turn into a first. The conditions on that one um, would turning into a first would be if Wentz reaches uh, 75% of offensive snaps or if he gets 70% of the offensive snaps and the Colts um, make the playoffs. So let, let's let's just start with, with Wentz to the Colts because I think the the topic around the Eagles is is a much more complicated one. Um, and, and, and seemingly it's surprisingly more complicated, like by the day, I feel like, um, but this, this felt like the most, like the, like, like the most obvious landing spot, uh, for Carson Wentz. We, we talked about once we knew that Philip Rivers was retiring and, uh, you know, Frank Reich is there and you have a lot of young talent, you have a, you have a good defense, pretty solid offensive line. It, it just felt like. And I know, like there was talk about the Bears, there was talk about a couple other places. But I just, I felt like this made the most sense uh, for the Colts and, and probably for Carson Wentz, a guy that he's familiar with, had success with, um, and, and really, it's it's a team that I think is is set up to 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 be really good. I mean, they made a push at the end this year uh, with an aging quarterback, and and now you, you hope that with a clearer mind and and you know maybe a new strength and conditioning team that. Um, that, that, that Carson can kind of regain his form. And I, and I, I feel like I, I know a lot of friends of mine who are Eagles fans. I've kind of seen a similar uh, kind of sentiment from them is that, you know, they, they hope uh, for success for Carson Wentz there. So Sean, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, Carson Wentz now a Colt. Yeah. And, and I think when we had touched on this, uh, you know, weeks ago, uh, the Colts were kind of my, you know, like you said, my odds on favorite for him to end up. And, um, you know, once reports started coming out of Chicago and there was rumors that Nick Foles was part of a package deal, did that make me kind of lean towards Chicago and hope that we could get a deal done there? Absolutely. If we could have gotten the same return plus Nick Foles, um, which which obviously I think makes you uh, kind of question some of the reports of, you know, what packages Chicago was offering and what was on the table. Um, if this is what we settled on, uh, you know, I, I find it, a little hard to believe some of the packages that were being reported out of Chicago, just because I think, you know, Tariq Cohen or no Tariq Cohen, uh, Nick Foles and just the other pieces that were being thrown around uh, would, would obviously, in my opinion, be more appealing. Uh, now, do the Eagles have different plans? Maybe they don't want Nick Foles at this point. Maybe that's 
that is what it is. But but it sounded to me like Chicago had a better package put together, at least from what was being reported. Uh, but you're right. Indianapolis has a way better, way better, I think, scenario for Wentz if Wentz wanted to go somewhere uh, and immediately plug into a, a potentially winning piece. Uh, Indianapolis, from, you know, uh, line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball to, you know, obviously, uh, you know, they have some weaknesses here and there on defense, but as a whole, that unit's played real well all year. And, um, you know, from a Colts perspective, you know, if Wentz, it, at this point, I mean, they were a playoff team and, you know, a few flips of the ball here or there, you know, could have been ahead of Buffalo in the playoffs and we could have been talking about them uh, coming to Tampa. And, you know, it's not like they're asking him to replace you know, Tom Brady at age 30, right? Like they're asking him to replace Philip Rivers at age 107 or however old he is. So, I mean, you're talking about the last season of Philip Rivers career and the first real season with their offense, they get to the playoffs. So that's what you're replacing. Uh, you know, you're just being asked to be kind of as good as an aging Philip Rivers. And I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation. Um, you know, I, and and like you said, you know, Eagles fans are kind of wishing him the best. I am too. And maybe the fact that the Colts are in the AFC and the Bears are in the NFC, maybe that had something to do with maybe taking a little less if they did. Uh, maybe they were trying to get him out of their own conference. Um, of course, you know, do, do I secretly hope that it becomes like a Carson Wentz versus the Eagles thing? No, I hope that never happens. <laughs> like a Super Bowl, I was trying to set it up, but maybe I wanted that to happen in a Super Bowl. It's the last thing I want in my mind. I, right. Carson's going to get his, get it on your own. That. You never want no. that. But, um, but, yeah, I think it's a pretty great scenario for both of those two uh, situations. And as far as what it leaves for the Eagles, I'm going to leave that for your next question. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I get you on that one because, I mean, there's, there's still questions of what – exactly my Cowboys are going to do with Dak Prescott if he does not uh, end up with the Cowboys like don't get me wrong I, I hope that he's successful because I like Dak but in no way shape or form do I, you know do I want to see Dak on the opposing sideline if the Cowboys figure out how to make it to a Super Bowl there's you know I, I don't like him that much uh, Justin your your thoughts on uh, Carson Wentz uh, going to Indy yeah I mean I think you guys kind of put it on it I mean him going to a spot Regardless of where he went, there's that kind of idea of just getting a fresh start, um, getting a new clean slate to go with. I mean, he's had offensive line issues the last two years. Maybe there's a little bit of jitteriness, you know, thinking that you're sitting behind those five men. Uh, and then you have that draft right after that where Jalen Hurts gets drafted and there's a little bit of hurt feelings in that. Um, and so maybe just going to a new clean start is a good start for him. And then you also talking about it's not Philadelphia. It's not Chicago. We're talking about Indianapolis. The media there is less. You're not going to get the same type of um, commotion that you get. You're not going to get the same type of overanalyzation that you might get in Philadelphia or second or third or fourth quarterbacking. Uh, so I think that might just be nice for him to get a fresh start um, and just to kind of revamp things. Uh, so, I mean, more so than anything, I think that's that's a key. He's still young, like you said, way younger than Philip Rivers. He still has a lot of potential. And it, when we're talking about two years ago, two and a half years ago, he was a potential MVP. So it's not like we're really that far off of where th that ceiling was for him. So uh, I think this is a good move for him. And it's really, you know, one of the things that's interesting, and you're talking about not just this move, or you're talking about Dak, but just the quarterback carousel in general um, this offseason has kind of kept us all, you know, 
eyes glued to the to the ticker just to see what's happening and to see who wants to make the next move and to see where it is. Um, but it does make that question too with the Eagles. You know, did they overplay their hand and did they force themselves into a position that they shouldn't have? Yeah, and I mean the the the, the quarterback situation league wide is just uh, is wild. You know, we we talked uh, last time on the air about, of course, the the golf Stafford trade and. Uh, you know, what are the Cowboys going to do with, with Dak Prescott? And, you know, there's there's still some reports that the Eagles aren't 100% sold on uh, Jalen Hurts as their starter, which to me is a little baffling, but we'll, we'll get to the Eagles here in a second. And, and you know, there's there's other teams that, um, you know, the, the, they aren't 100% sure what they're doing. Uh, there's reports of Russell Wilson being unhappy in Seattle. And, and uh, do I think he'll remain there uh, this year? I, I do, but it, it's, you know, we... <laughs> You never know what to expect. Yeah, last I heard, ten different teams or more have called about the availability of Russell Wilson, and I don't know what sort of packages they're throwing, hoping they stick. But if the Bears were really involved in the Wentz sweepstakes, I would think that they're willing to throw a very interesting package together. Uh, uh, there's a lot of teams. I mean, we can probably we can probably put a short list together of teams that aren't calling Seattle. It'd like- be very Philadelphia to just trade both of them. Like, like, we'll throw you Hurts. <laughs> You've got Jalen Hurts, and we got a couple of picks coming from Indianapolis. We'll give you that whole package. <laughs> right, right back. Uh, for Russell Wilson, straight up. But, like, right. Tampa Bay, probably not calling Seattle. Uh, Green Bay, probably not calling Seattle. Most likely, no. You know, but there, there's, there's pro- you know, Buffalo, probably not. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the short, the shorter <laughs> is how many teams it's, it's teams that are – but you mean to tell me that – like Buffalo and McDermott aren't at least curious. Like just like, well, like what sort of package? Like they're still calling. Like yeah. if somebody had heard like right. ten, like a few years ago that New England was shopping Tom Brady, or like maybe Tom wasn't happy, the whole league would have been like, so what do you want for him? Hey, uh, yeah. hey, Rob, it's what do you curious. want? <laughs> the teams that aren't I, calling are sending emails, so I hope it, everyone's Jones, checked. I hope Jerry Jones has at least made a call. Like I know Jerry loves Dak and. Professes his love to him and everything, but I hope he's at least made the call. Now, do I think that, that the Cowboys probably can't afford him? Absolutely, because he wants to go somewhere with an offensive. Well, line. don't talk too fast. I've looked at how much money they're going to owe Dak if they franchise him the next two years, and I think he can get Russell Wilson for less. Do it, just do it. Go, go, go. Do it now. It's all numbers. It's, it's just <laughs> it's staggering the the amount of money that like because you it's quarterback top five. If you, yeah. if you franchise tag Dak Prescott, you're going to be looking somewhere around the 30 million mark this year, and you're going to be looking somewhere closer to the 50 million mark. I was like, I heard that on a radio show today. Ow. I guess because of a lot of these big contracts that jump oh, next yeah. year, yeah. unless they restructure in the following uh, 12 months, you're pushing. So you're looking at a good 80 million dollar investment over the next two years in Just Dak Prescott without a contract. Just to franchise him. Wonderful. Yeah. That sounds like a total Cowboys thing to do, but. Uh, the the other the other bit of news with uh, Carson Wentz is um, I forget the the receiver that wears eleven, but they've already talked it out. Carson will not uh, be getting the number eleven from him. Uh, Carson actually said he doesn't want it. He he's uh, he's looking for a complete. Sure yeah, that, that's uh, that's a brilliant <laughs> way to come across that. You got to be kidding me. Complete fresh start, so he will not be in the number eleven. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's some sort of Vegas odds somewhere on on what what number he will end up with, uh, but. <laughs> 
No, it's Michael Pittman Jr. And Michael Pittman Jr. is young, but he's got a good social media following. He's got a good following through video games. Like, he's actually marketed himself as a player really well for somebody that actually caught as few balls as he did. And I know how few he caught because, like, he got hot and I took, I got him on the fantasy wire. And then he, like, didn't do anything for, like, nine weeks. And then he, like, had one uh, very good wide receiver. Uh, and it's an interesting story because he he broke the story while playing Call of Duty. Like he 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 leaked this story out. <laughs> he's playing his video games, and like as he's talking about, yeah, Carson called me and asked for my number. Like you're just hearing people in the background. Like I'm hit, I'm hit. Like, it's just, like <laughs> you're just hearing it. Um, but uh, Carson played it real poorly. I think like word is like instead of just calling him and being like, hey, like let's get together, let's throw some balls around, let's you know work on some chemistry. Like he just called him like, like first contact from Carson Wentz was how, how attached to you are number 11. First of all, <laughs> if you're going to like skip the whole humanity side of it, then throw a number out there. Like, 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 look, man, I got like $2 million that wants that, you know, like just, just name your, like at that point. And, and unfortunately it was kind of that last piece. That's like, maybe Carson Wentz is just incredibly arrogant like I've never caught him that like considered in that type of scenario, but when you think about it, small like North Dakota town probably was always the best athlete. Went to North Dakota State, always the best athlete. Was gonna worked his way up the draft board, take a number like all these things like MVP right out of the shoot. Like you know all these talks like, and then like the injury happens. All of a sudden Philadelphia hates you, and then it's like everybody else might start hating. He I think he just didn't know how to respond to everyone not loving him and maybe Philadelphia drafting him was the worst case scenario <laughs> if this injury and the fall off was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, it just looked like, so now for him to backtrack, be like, yeah, I'm not, I don't even want it. It's probably better. He's right. It probably is better, but you should have realized that before you contacted right. a wide receiver. <laughs> now on the flip side, I've commented on somebody on Facebook about it. It's a very bold play from a wide receiver. Right. To just boldly right. like, because he didn't just like decline the request. He like made it kind of this comical. And I know it's comical because even people down here in Tampa Bay, the sports radio, were like making fun of the way he like released it and like how poor like this this came across for Carson Wentz. And I'm thinking like if, if you got a new quarterback coming in, which by the way, um, there are no official reports out of Colts camp that Carson Wentz is guaranteed to be the starting quarterback. They still have a Jacob E. Brissett out there who has started in the past and actually had more touchdowns, I think, than Carson Wentz last year. But uh, that's not true. Carson Wentz had more touchdowns, but it felt like it. Um, but, um, you know, poor Jacoby Brissett, like, all right, he's retiring. Like, I get a chance. No, sorry, Jacoby. We just traded for this Philly's dirty laundry. Um, but we um, – yeah, I just thought it was a really interesting play when your livelihood depends on a quarterback giving you targets – Sure. To just publicly like kind of shame well, him and be like, "Can you believe this guy?" Like little little gutsy play there. Uh, we'll see how it how the chemistry builds uh, down the line. But yeah, Carson, just pick a different number. Yeah, just, just get a new one. Find an idol. Maybe it was Joe Montana. Try sixteen. Take Philip Rivers' number. Well, sixteen I think is out because of Johnny U, and I think eighteen's probably out because of Peyton. Was Johnny U sixteen? I think he was. Oh, he had a four. I thought it was a four or fourteen. No, he was a double digit. What number? I'm going to look that yeah, up. Yeah, maybe it was sixteen. Because I, I think know. that I think that's why Peyton went to eighteen. Ooh, that that's a good the, point. That might be the new thing of the NFL. Kind of like how different people squat on future team names. Like you know, we've talked about uh, in, before in the past with like 
Vegas Golden Knights or, you know, the Seattle Kraken, people actually, you know, put a, um, a, a tag on that name and then, and then they hope that that team comes to them and says, hey, we'll, we'll spend $2 million for you to release. Right. Maybe that's the thing for the, the running backs and the, and the wide receivers to squat on a number, hoping that have that yeah, number. I would, start, I would start squatting on QB numbers. Like if I'm a wide receiver, take the low numbers. Yeah, and then and then we can switch out, and you can give me like two million dollars or a million dollars, whatever it is. We're gonna have this deal. We'll squat on a number, and then I'll hopefully I'll, I'll take it for the best. Uh, United United was nineteen, so yeah, you could probably you could go to sixteen. So nineteen out, uh, eighteen probably out because. Uh, Probably I'm not going to get Peyton's number. I, I don't know. I probably wouldn't touch Pip Rivers' number. I don't know. It just is it just like a brief talk. We can talk about it another time. But like the, the whole concept of retired numbers, like there's got to be a point where we stop doing it, right? Like eventually, you just start running out of numbers. Like especially uh, in a sport, like like in, it's one thing in basketball where you have a roster of like 15 people. In football, you have a roster of what 50 60 guys, 50, 60 like, guys. It, the Yankees, I believe, have are no more single digit numbers, correct? Yeah. They're just gone. Like yeah, they're, I, they're I, all, I've no. always worn number seven. Like, sorry, pal, you play for the wrong team to wear number seven. Yeah, now you're seventy-seven. <laughs> yeah, now you're seventy-seven or hundred and seventy. Like Yankees are gonna have to start wearing triple digit numbers. <laughs> um, when you start when you start playing like from a minor league scent and you have a seventy-seven, you're not making the roster. Like, right, that, right. That used to be how that went. Like you got a seventy-seven. Sorry, I'll, we'll see you next year when you get a different number. Yeah, see you next year. A lot, a lot of these older organizations, because I know, like the Hershey Bears, the the AHL, like they they used to never do numbers above forty. Um, there's only been like a handful of times where a guy who's like come down on a conditioning stint or something like that has gotten a number over, um, like over the number forty. So, uh, and and I think it's probably similar to kind of what the Yankees, Red Sox, some of these older teams that they, they've just always done the low number thing. So now, um, you know, you're 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 getting into a situation. I see here on the uh, Caps Penguins Zucker for the Penguins so it took a took a hard uh, board uh, with his legs. Hopefully he'll be all right. You can help down the uh, tunnel. Hopefully he'll be uh, hopefully he'll be okay. That did not look good though. Uh, definitely did not look good. Um, but yeah, we get into some of the science and things behind behind numbers and, and choosing numbers. But uh, let's um, let, let, let's let's try to tackle the Eagles a little bit. This is obviously not uh, not something we we can really make total heads or tails of um, in one night. But uh, you know, it, it it's it we're we're three years and and a couple of weeks removed from. Um, you know the, the the Eagles Super Bowl championship and um it, it, the the organization now you no longer have the head coach you no longer have the offensive coordinator you no longer have either quarterback that got you through that season uh some of the receivers from that team are now gone it looks like Jason Kelsey is on his way out Zach Ertz on his way out and I understand I mean over time. Uh, in contracts, especially with championship teams. I mean, my, my capitals are in the same boat. Um, three years removed from a Stanley Cup. There's a lot of faces that are no longer uh, with the team. But, you know, not only from a on-the-field standpoint, but it, it seems like the front office with the Eagles is in disarray. You had reports of uh, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, you know, not talking for weeks, possibly months. Um uh, you know the, the the team hasn't drafted well. They haven't managed personnel well. 
Uh, they, they have countless injuries, even back to that Super Bowl season uh, with, with injuries. It, it, there just seems to be just a, a huge issue organizationally with the Philadelphia Eagles. And um, uh, Justin, we'll, we'll, we'll throw it to you first on this one. It, you know, where, where do they even begin to, to start fixing this thing? I mean, I know a lot of Eagles fans uh, very unhappy with Howie Roseman, but, but you know, with, with the exception of, you know, getting a new GM. I mean, where do they even start to fix this thing? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the new GM has obviously been the the hot topic, and that's what, you know, the Eagles fans want. I mean, for me, the crazy part is not so much that you trade Wentz and not so much that you got what you got from him, but it's the point to which you got to him. It's that point of you allowed certain things from an organizational standpoint to get to this level. I mean, even – just something from the the Hertz draft to getting to the point where in week 17, you're actually pulling Hertz in the fourth quarter of a game and then making Hertz mad because you pulled him. So like there's just a, a list of organizational moves that have allowed them to get to this point that shouldn't be. Uh, and I think, you know, you go, where do you go from here? Um, especially when you've let go of your quarterback, you've let go of, of the coach and you're thinking, okay, well, if we let go of the coach, That's it's got to be the quarterback that we're keeping. And then you let go of both, and you're like, okay, well, how does the GM still keep his job? Especially because, as you said, it's it's not just one bad year. It's not just a couple of things. It's bad drafts that have led them to this point. Um, and I've heard even the jokes of, let's say that the Colts even give them the first pick because they make the playoffs, and he, you know, Wentz plays 70% of the, the downs are the Eagles going to screw up that first round pick as well? Right. And so that's the biggest question. So where do you go from here? Uh, it's got to start at the top. And I think even if it's not Roseman himself, there's got to be better scouting and that's got to be the start of it. Um, one of the things that we've talked about before in the past with Andy Reid and how he's one of the, the greats, not just obviously with the Chiefs, but even in his days with the Eagles, he really set it with the the front five, you know, the front defensive line. And that was where, they made their success, and that's where the Chiefs have made their success. You know, obviously they've got Mahomes, but it's their offensive line that was what you know really made things easier for them. And then when their offensive line wasn't there in the Super Bowl, you saw what happened. But that's been that key of success for them, and that's where Andy Reid was. So conversely, with the Eagles, if they need to do anything in terms of scouting, it's got to be better in the front five. It's got to be better on the defensive line to at least give those guys a chance. And if it's if you're not going to do something in terms of changing the GM, your scouting department's got to get better. Definitely. Sean, Where where's the first place? Because obviously we could do probably a series of episodes um on the on the Eagles organizationally, but but you know, where where's the where's the place um besides scouting that 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 you say um you know probably needs to start for this uh for this team and this organization. Well, I mean, I, I've said it for a while that, you know, uh, and you, you alluded to the injuries. You know, I, I, I don't know where the fix is for that. I, I don't know if, you know, it's a, it's a matter of training staffs. I know the Eagles have made changes even since the Super Bowl. This is they, They've not had the same training staff the entire time. Uh, and it's, it's kind of one of those scenarios where the, the trouble is, no matter how well you draft offensive linemen, no matter how well you draft quarterbacks, uh, even if you're taking some stabs at wide receivers that you have no business taking, uh, when you're talking about that scenario, um, you know of of you know you're starting guys uh, off your practice squad at any position uh, on multiple weeks in a year. 
uh, and you're, you're starting guys that, that you weren't even on your team when the season started. You know, do I think Doug Peterson's partly to blame for the scenario that happened this year? Yes. Do I think, uh, you know, Howie Roseman and all these guys are? Sure. But even once you've built your roster, like, there's only so much you can do if none of them are, are able to play 16 games or, you know, even 12 or 13 games. Uh, you got guys missing huge chunks of the year. And, um, you know, Justin alluded to the offensive line. Um, you know, when you talk about Andy Reid and you talk about the success that he had in Philadelphia and um, kind of the ability to make the silly city finally relevant again, um, you're looking, I mean, across that offensive line, you had two tackles in, in, in Runyon and Trey Thomas that didn't miss, neither of them missed a start. And I think it was something like nine and a half years or like 11. It, it was a nonsense stat of like literally Donovan McNabb knew at the very least. One, that he had no receivers to throw to. And two, that at least he was going to have time to find one of the rinky-dink wide receivers he did have. You know, so so he, he he knew where those pillars were and he knew to stay between them. And, you know, for the most part, that, you know, that kept Donovan McNabb alive and that kept Andy Reid, uh, you know, doing what he was doing. And, you know, you look at, you, look at, um, you know, his ability to draft well, like you said, Justin, and, um, you know, the fact that so many people pass on a guy like Pat Mahomes – uh, you know, you look at teams that are looking for quarterbacks now, like uh, like the Chicago Bears and, and teams like that, that that passed on. I mean, they passed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes uh, for Mitch <laughs> Trubisky. Um, and now they missed out on on their solution, Carson Wentz. So, you know, that's a real shame. Uh, but, um, you know, you look at this and, and there was talk that uh, the Chiefs had to trade up to get Pat Mahomes. And then, like, you know, the guy that was just about to sneak in there and take him was going to be the Saints. The Saints apparently had a lot of hopes of taking him despite having Drew Brees. You know, and people, maybe it would have been a Jalen Hurts thing. Like, what are you doing drafting this person in the first, you know? Right, right. Um, but it's because you have guys that have consistently found offensive talent in places no one else had. You have Sean Payton that had success with guys like Marcus Colston. And you had, you know, you know even a guy like Drew Brees who uh, was passed up by Nick Saban in Miami and, and people weren't sure where he fell and, you know, how was his shoulder going to hold up and was he tall enough? Um, you know, Peyton seemed to think so, and that's worked out pretty well. Uh, you know, and it, it's, you know, Andy Reid has, has consistently um, found success with products that other people had passed on. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, Peterson, who had kind of inherited a team, put it together and, I mean, realistically, I mean, I, I have a feeling that this Super Bowl, ironically, that my T-shirt's talking about, <laughs> is um, a lot to do with the coaching staff that he assembled. And the trouble is when you have success with the coaching staff, you no longer have that coaching staff. Right. And you have to kind of piece it together on your own. And I'm not sure Peterson was quite where he needed to be as a coach and, and as a leader to kind of reassemble those pieces that quickly. Um, and things kind of fell apart pretty fast. But um, but yeah, I, I like, um, I, I think you got to do something about training and, and just, you know, I, this could this year have been somewhat COVID related maybe, but I mean, you're looking at the last three, four years of just key pieces right, going yeah. missing multiple times and you're just never going to succeed. I, I mean, maybe in the NFC East right now, cause nobody else is any good. Right. Like that's like your only hope. Like when you're clinging to that hope every year, like you're, that's not good enough. You You have to be able to sell your fan base and sell your city and uh, everything on, on, um, on something better than, well, we're in the NFC East. Uh, so, uh, you know, I hope, I hope this is the start of it. And, and let's not, you know, before we, I, I let go of Philadelphia here for a second. Um, 
let's be be very aware that there is still a very legitimate chance the Eagles use that six pick slash trade up from that six pick and are still like people just seem to think, oh, good, they chose Hurts. I think the only thing that this trade tells us is that they had they didn't choose Wentz. Sure, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't think there. you know it was Hurts fun to watch. Did he give an emotional lift? Yes. Do I think he's definitely the quarterback of the future in Philadelphia? No. Uh, I, I think there's still a lot of question marks. Um, there's a lot of reasons, you know, why teams didn't look at him higher than he got drafted. There's a lot of other scenarios, and I think in a what they call a quarterback heavy draft, when you hold the sixth overall pick, you need to kind of look at one: Are we drafting a quarterback? Or two, I want to look that. I'd look at if we are not taking a quarterback, is there someone else that needs one that's willing to give us a lot of value for this in a sure. position and maybe step back? Um, I'd have no problem with them finding the best other piece that they need either. Uh, six is a pretty. There's going to be a lot of talent there. I don't want to see them drop too far, and, and you're rebuilding. But but let's not be just kind of content on like, well, Jalen Hurts is our guy. Let's go buy that number two jersey. Uh, you could be hanging up your number two jersey the same way I'm hanging up my number 11 in a couple of years. <laughs> we were talking about that with like, we, you know, we, we bought you that the one year for Christmas and well, the last two active Eagles jerseys I had um, were the Carson Wentz that you had gotten for me. And uh, ironically, a, a, an old Deshaun Jackson that had recycled itself. Thanks to Deshaun Jackson's career. Uh, and within a week of each other, they're both gone. So we're down to zero uh, active ones. Uh, which is fine. You know, I can go back to my Ricky Waters and and my. Um, I haven't had an John McCoy. I haven't had an active Cowboys jersey uh, since Roy Williams, the safety. Unfortunately, uh, the Cowboys are struggling to find an active Cowboys. Well, that's, that's true uh, as jersey well. to put that, on anyway. Yeah. Well. Um, but uh, like I had, I, I had a couple of Des Bryant ones that like I, I thought about just buying a a, a lamb nameplate for and just and just uh, doing throw it on there. Doing some sewing work and, and getting that on there, but um, you know, it, it, yeah, it was like the weird like, oh, during the Super Bowl, somebody tweeted a, a Chiefs fan that had like a Priest Holmes jersey, and like without changing the number, even just like pasted the M A. Uh, it was like Mahomes, Mahomes. Like it was just like, they got yeah, close enough. Good job, guys. Yeah, good work. Well played. Give an A for, for not two. even close to the right number. Like not uh, even anywhere near. And I mean, I think I think one of the things that, that's important to remember about, you know, because one of the things I've seen and, and I'm not questioning that that there's potentially a, a GM issue there. But like when you when you go, well, we could have had so and so they were there on the board and you took this part like those things are always easier in hindsight. I mean, and I, like Cowboys fans always go back to the fact that that they, they passed on Randy Moss, like the Cowboys passed on Randy Moss. Yeah, but we also in that spot drafted Greg Ellis, who was a starting defensive lineman for the Cowboys for like 14 right. seasons. So like, yeah, we didn't get Randy Moss, but we had well, one people of people question the Brandon Graham tra uh, draft uh, for the Eagles uh, for, for years. You know, people talk about the Metcalf and like, there are a lot of misses that like in hindsight are good, but Brandon Graham was drafted with like some safety pieces and things we wanted on the board. For, I, I think that was the Earl Thomas year where they drafted Brandon Graham while Earl Thomas was still on the board. And with Brian Dawkins missing, would Earl Thomas have been a great piece to add? Yes. Would Earl Thomas have been as successful in our defensive scheme as the Seahawks? Uh, maybe. maybe. Probably. He's real good. Uh, but, you know, as you watched Brandon Graham develop and kind of become, and the strength of the Eagles winning that Super Bowl was on the ability to rotate defensive linemen because we had so many people that were as good 
as Brandon Graham. And so you have that kind of pass rush build itself. And even without any big names at the safety position, you brought in a Malcolm Jenkins, you were able to win a Super Bowl anyway. And, and right. I think that that kind of ended up erasing itself and, and people talk less about it now. Uh, but look, safe, there's certain positions like safety where you're just – you're going to take some chances on a guy. And it's very hard to do in the first round because when you look at the 32 – people always talk about how few quarterbacks there are that are at a top-level caliber. Safety is another one of those positions where – you know, name me name me ten safeties in the NFL whose jobs are completely safe. Like whose job like who are so above the level of talent like, that most, they are irreplaceable. I would challenge most, most people to name ten safeties in the NFL. That's a good point. Name ten like, safeties in the like, NFL. Go ahead, name ten of them. Be like, uh Tyron Matthew and Ronnie um, Lott. Uh Ronnie Lott, yeah, he's pretty good. Steve Atwater's pretty great. Um yeah, I don't know if I could name 10 without looking at a sheet of paper. Um, but the, the point is it, it's such a hard position to fill, and especially with the rules that have been kind of put in place, nobody wants to play safety. Right. So, you know, we did the Eagles miss there maybe. But like you said, uh, when you look at back at it, there's these positions and these situations where, yeah, probably could have gone that other way. Um but, you know, like that's, you know, you pay people to make those decisions. And then when they don't, they're fired. That's how it works. I think. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Let's let's pause here, guys. Uh, we got to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Notre Dame and EA Sports, uh, a little bit of pond hockey. And, of course, uh, we'll get to some baseball talk because that's the real reason Justin uh, is here with us. So stick with us on the other side. Huddle up live. After these messages. We'll be right back. Huddle Up Podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order? You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis on all things sports. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, subscribe to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports, and like us on Facebook, NGSC Sports. We never stop. Welcome back, Huddle Up Live. We are uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Let's remind everybody, we do have merchandise now. You head over to whatamaneuver.net, find the Huddle Up podcast, and uh, check out the full line. We have our uh, we have our main logo design over there right now. Should have a few more designs coming shortly. We um, 
hopefully you can uh, jump over there, make a purchase. Make sure you subscribe to the show. If you're with us on the live video, please give us a like and a share. We'd appreciate that and get uh, more people in here interacting with us. And uh, again, thank you to Justin Daniels joining us uh, from the MLB Network. And uh, Sean back with us here uh, this week. And the Penguins just beat the Cap. How comes every time we come back from a break on this goddamn show, do the Penguins beat the Capitals in overtime? Every- this is like the third time this season this has happened, by the way. I mean, I'm, uh, not, yeah. mad. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not mad. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm just if, – if there's the Caps and Pens play on a Tuesday night, we're not going to have a show. That's a new rule uh, that we that we have going forward. Uh, at least they got a point, you know, less damaging, I guess, this season, but uh, still hurts. Um, but let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this one, guys, because this this is a quite um, an interesting story. A couple weeks ago, uh, the uh, EA Sports announced they'd be bringing back the college football uh, game for your gaming consoles, and and um, yesterday, I believe it was Notre Dame uh, released a statement that said they will not be included. Uh, in the revitalized uh, EA Sports College football game until, um, you know, they they make sure that the rules determine whether or not athletes will be able to receive a cut uh, of the game's uh, profits. A statement from Notre Dame Athletic Director uh, Jack Swarbrick says, Notre Dame Athletics welcomes the return of EA Sports College football, a video game series that historically helped promote interest in college football. Notre Dame will not, however, participate in the game until such time as rules have been finalized governing the participation of our student-athletes. As those rules are developed, it is our strong desire that student-athletes be allowed to benefit directly from allowing their name, image, and performance history to be used uh, in the game. Uh, so so this, is, this is something that um, I think was part of the reason why the game originally had, had kind of gone away, because there was kind of this this big fight back between between players and representations and uh, you know, making sure they got their cut of the game and, and EA just kind of wiped their hands of it. And and now, you know, it, it's coming back and, and Notre Dame is the first big name to stand up and say, hey, you know, we want to make sure that our players are, are taken care of uh, throughout all of this. And I think Notre Dame's in that interesting spot. Um, they always are uh, because they, they are an independent. Like, I don't, I don't know what all the rules are. Um, like, say, if, if USC can, can stand up on their own and say that, they're not going to take part of it, or if it's the Pac-12 that has to do that. I, I don't know uh, how all that breaks down, but now ultimately, uh, I, I do think that uh, th- there won't be that this situation will be resolved. And I, I said this because uh, there's no way I don't think that EA Sports wants to take take the hit of Notre Dame fans not getting this game. Uh, so, so I think that, that that things will get resolved and, and that they will figure this out. But um, you know, qu- quite an interesting uh, turn of events. And then, Sean, we'll, we'll start with you uh, here with Notre Dame kind of standing up and saying, look, we, we want to make sure our players, uh, if they're going to be used in this, uh, are, are going to be, um, you know, going to be taken care of. Right. Well, I mean, first of all, it shows just kind of the sign of the times that we're in, that, that we are in that era where, you know, people are starting to recognize kind of what these college athletes are worth to other people. Um, I, I, I've been very against the idea of colleges paying their athletes and, and giving gifts and things like that as a, you know, beyond a scholarship and things like that. I'm still not a huge fan of that. Um, but beyond that, I think once you are a college athlete and, and you know, once your likeness is being used, it, it's kind of a fine line to dance on. 
but I think there's really no side of that fine line to stand on that that you know feels right unless you're on the side of the athlete being portrayed. Um, so, you know, if if I mean, I remember growing up, all it ever said was college football. Play, you know, running back number twenty three. Right. You know, didn't stop me from buying the game. Like I, I, I just, you know, I feel like, you know, EA needs to kind of decide. Like, are we going to use the players on the front cover to sell the to sell the product? Are we going to use the players on the field to sell the product? And if you are, they need to be paid. And Notre Dame's in a unique perspective, like you said, of being like the one school that really, like, by controlling its own rights and kind of being the the independent. It's kind of like a second voice of the NCAA, uh, where where they kind of get to make that stand on their own, and and they have a big enough following, and historically are that kind of pillar of college football excellence that you get to just make that stand and be like, well, we're just not going to let you use our, we're not going to be in it, yeah, because they own, their own trademarks, they own everything about it. You can't use them without their permission. Yeah, and they're probably there was, the only school beyond like a military academy that has that ability. Yeah. Cuz there was a there was a college football game I think it was like for Sega Genesis that um didn't have Notre Dame in it mm-hmm. and then, like the other ones, you know, they just you, weren't there. Like you, you always go, you always like look North, for North Dakota, like North Texas, Oklahoma. No. Yeah, like you know, as as a Notre Dame fan, like we we know that 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 stamp, the officially licensed product of the University of Notre Dame. If it's not there uh, on the on the game, you know that uh, the Irish aren't in it. But uh, Justin, your your thoughts here on uh, on Notre Dame taking a stand against EA Sports? Well, first of all, I'll say I don't know how many times you guys have had this before, but I know the three of us are all Irish fans, hmm. um, so we're all you know, one of our co-hosts. Matt is a is a Notre Dame fan, so it does it does round around uh, a, a few times. Uh, Dave, the uh, the other member of the team, is is not a. Yeah, Notre I just want to make fan. sure. I- I really hope that if if Dave's going to listen to any clips, that it's like this moment where he realizes, yeah, Dave was right. No, no, nope. no, he, no wasn't. he wasn't. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, you're just talking about just the three of us. Obviously, you know, Notre Dame has its massive fan base, uh, and it's a it's a fan base that goes beyond a regional. Which you know, in this world of sports, with everything else, I mean, regional has been what keeps a lot of these other sports locales alive and keeps them up. But Notre Dame kind of escapes that. They've got the, you know, you know that you can tune in any Saturday of a football season and they have a a time slot. You don't have to question it. I Uh, moved from Pennsylvania to Florida and I I can watch Notre Dame any Sunday that I want to. You know that they're, they've got that, like you said, that huge footprint across the entire country. Uh, So, to have them to be able to use this. And that's, I don't want to go as big as to say the, the social contract of, you know, sports and, and the things that they can do with that power. But this kind of is that way in, in a, at least in the college sports sense of they have some type of power and they're using it and good for them because, you know, for some of these guys, yeah, it, it might not make a big difference to, you know, some of the athletes that are going to, you know, turn pro and make the millions of dollars and, they don't need the extra money, but it could mean something for the guy that's, you know, the kicker for the team that isn't going anywhere else. And maybe it's something for him or um, just a, a recognition of anything else um, for these guys. They could be going to big schools and paying money and maybe their their scholarship doesn't pay everything off. Uh, so it's nice that, you know, Notre Dame, you know, hopefully takes that lead of 
setting a standard, um, which is not unusual for Notre Dame to set a standard, um, but to do something like that for, you know, basically the, the landscape of college sports. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be something that, that we watch to see how this develops because, um, you know, the, the, this, the game hasn't been around, I think 2014, 2015 was the last, uh, the last edition of this game. And, and it's crazy. Like I know people that, that, that have replaced their Xbox 360, uh, numerous times because they still play the game. If you try and find a copy of the last NCAA football game, um, you know, a used copy it of it. It was never on Xbox One, correct? It was right, just, it right. Was like, yeah, this right. Xbox 360. So if you if you still try if you fi- try and find a used copy of it, it still goes for 35, 40, 45 bucks, which is I mean, unheard of. A, a, a one-year-old sports game for the new consoles goes oh, for yeah. like 10 bucks now. So like people, you know, people have been wanting uh this series to come back. So so it is it is a huge thing. And yeah, like you said, I mean, it, Notre Dame generally ha- has some of the highest-rated games all season this year. Um, you know, obviously the Clemson game I think was like the most watched regular season college football game in in a couple of years. One, I'm not sure we talked about like the, the the effect that not only is it Notre Dame and not only are there fans, but Notre Dame is incredibly relevant uh, from a performance like you were just alluding to. Notre Dame was just in the top four. Sure. So you have you have a not only a Notre Dame fan base that that loves their team and might play this game, you have a Notre Dame fan base that's very interested in college football right now and knows who plays for it's not a college it's not a the, the you know the you know four or five years ago the Notre I Dame fan base that was just kind of aware that Notre Dame was there for a decade. Uh, and was just checking in like are we still are we still stink? Yeah, okay. Uh, go Irish and I move on. Uh, but you you have a very active uh, uh, collegiate football fan base in in South Bend and 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 stemming out from that Golden Dome, the beacon drawing us all towards South Bend. Um, yeah, which reminds me, I've only prayed to it twice today. I gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta get one more. I gotta get at least the third one in. Three, the magic number three, the Rick Myra, Ron Paulus. You gotta pray three times. Actually, Sean, three three years ago we were we were in South Bend right yes. now. Three years uh, today, yes. For the uh, for the Notre Dame Michigan State hockey game, so that was pretty rad. Um, Drove through some serious snow to get there, but it was fine. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, through through the Western PA run there, but yeah, uh, you're always gonna hit snow that way. We, exactly. we if, if it's if it's November through April, you're probably gonna hit some snow up in the mountains. But that was uh, a good trip. That's where I watched the curling team win their you know win their gold medal while we were in the hotel. It was oh, amazing. Right, that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, it's obviously something, like I said, I mean, the, the game's still, I think a, a year or two in development, like this is, uh, all very new. I, I, I absolutely believe that, uh, that, that they will figure it out because EA sports, like I said, does not want to lose, uh, the Notre Dame money, but it was definitely something that, uh, clearly caught, um, my attention. And, uh, another thing that, that, that caught my attention, um, from this past weekend, um, and we'll, we'll we'll touch on this one quick, and then we'll we'll get to uh, baseball talk. Uh, but the uh, the NHL took the game uh, outdoors this past weekend in, in Lake Tahoe, and um, Saturday Avalanche three uh, two over the Golden Knights. I must have missed it. <laughs> yeah, you, well, somebody in in Orange missed it. That's for sure. Um, but uh, an eight hour um, sun delay, which uh, sounds like a very odd thing to say, but uh, we'll we'll touch on that uh, caused. A eight-hour 
uh, first to second period intermission. And Sunday, of course, 7-3 um, Bruins victory over the Flyers. That game was moved because of the weather. But, um, you know, I, I've always loved the outdoor games. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's in a baseball stadium, football stadium. Um, you know, it, it really hasn't mattered to me. I, I, I always enjoy it when they – uh, when they do the outdoor games, but this one, obviously, you know, we've seen uh, our sports imagery change very much over the past uh, the past calendar year. Um, whether it's cardboard cutouts or covered up seats or uh, you know any any number of things, you know, Toronto play Toronto Raptors playing in in Tampa, <laughs> um, you know, any any number of things, an NBA season at Disney, but. Uh, this one was on a whole a whole different level because you're sitting there watching. It looks like you can pop a puck into the lake, and uh, you see the mountains in the background. Just an, an incredible job uh, by the NHL, and and unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, they had a beautiful sunny day uh, in Lake Tahoe, causing. But but really, um, I think it worked out best, and and I I really feel this way for for the game on on Sunday because I think that the Tahoe at dusk look. Uh, for that Bruins Flyers game was just was absolutely more incredible than the sunny, oh, spectacular, uh, or the nighttime. It, it it really worked out well. They adjusted um, on the fly, but um, you know, just thoughts on I, personally. I think they should do a game at Tahoe every year. Just just do one. It, it it's 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 awesome. Such a cool look, uh, Justin. Your thoughts on on the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I I have a couple of coworkers um, because uh, MLB Network also owns the rights to NHL network. So I've got a couple of coworkers okay. there, uh, you know, shooting the game. And, you know, I saw pictures leading up to the week and seeing them painting the ice and that scenic look beyond where you see the mountains, because we've seen the outdoor games, as you said, you know, in the stadiums in baseball stadiums and football stadiums. Um, but to see this with just kind of that gorgeous outdoor look and you're seeing the mountains, you're seeing what just feels like the way the game has originally started and just that look of it was just um, phenomenal. And, you know, it's always interesting to, to see how that all gets set up and kind of the, the course that they go through. They had painted the, you know, the ice at one point, went through practice and was like, nope, because of the way the sun was coming in, they had to repaint. Um, so, I mean, it's just a, an interesting thing of uh, just kind of going through it. And you're right. Would it be something nice to have every year? Why not? Right. I mean, we do this all the time with uh, an outdoor game of some sort, you know, the winter classic, the, you know, they have the heritage classic in Canada. Why not? I, I say, you know, do it every year. You know, it, it, especially we're talking with the lack of fans the week that we are currently going through. Clearly there's a way to do things without the fans and without the massive number of fans and to still generate the money, still generate the sponsorship, still generate the viewership. So I'm with you do it every year yeah i mean you know and and they were they were talking on the broadcast how you know the the areas most affected were the were the logos where they were painted because the the dark colors were absorbing uh the sunlight and i hadn't even thought about it but the thing that kept coming back to me is if you've ever seen the movie mystery alaska like it like it had it had that feel to it and it was just so cool sean yeah i I think i i don't know what the game looks like in lake tahoe with um with fans uh, you know, I, I think it was just kind of a perfect target for uh, a scenario where, where we were having limited fans, where, where, you know, you're trying to exist in a bubble of sorts, which, you know, maybe for another week, the NHL seems to be uh, boiling over. The cup seems to be kind of 
not really working out too well. Maybe we need to revisit this whole bubble scenario. But uh, either way, I, I, I think in, in most seasons, you're going to do the outdoor games for the, the kind of the money. <laughs> it costs a lot of money to put a hockey game on outside, even if it is cold. Uh, at least to have the ice service guaranteed and to have all the people there and to build the thing and to put the people around it, especially if you're going to have fans watching. Um, and I think they chose the location because of that. And then, you know, so a part of me says, if if fans' general perspective was we loved that it was this gorgeous picturesque and like this thing, you're not going to have that if the fans are around the, the rink. So, Maybe what the NHL needs to look at is, like you said, they should have a game at Lake Tahoe every year. Maybe Tahoe's not the only solution, but find places that look amazing for hockey and kind of create one game a year where it's this NHL on top of the world type game. Sure. Where it's away from everybody else. Where even where there aren't fans, there's still hockey. You know, and just create it. And then maybe one year it's just on a lake in Canada and you just find one that's frozen over and you just don't tell anybody where it is until like two <laughs> days before so that there's just no people don't know where to go. And then all of a sudden it's like ah, a lot harder in today's world. Um, but I would love to see a scenario where, I mean, people stayed out of Lake Tahoe because they didn't let them in there. So right. just um, you, you're going to have to kind of build it on your own. But I think it would be cool if even if it's not every year, if the NHL did create like hockey like in the himalayas like whatever they want to do like yeah, I mean, all you need to do is have a space where you can put a rink and you can pay money to do it and you're going to lose money in the deal because it's going to cost you way more to build it but that's what i'm saying you know just coming from you know having been in on the inside of the business they're not losing money like the sponsorship that they get from a, an event like this is massive Huge. i mean even why mlb holds so tightly on to the all so you're just making less you're, you're 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 not making the gate. You're not making the gate, but like the amount of sponsors that are paying because they know that that's going to be a broadcast game. It's going to be one of those games. Like just because we're even talking about it, it's a game that you know you'll constantly see on Instagram, on Twitter. You know all the pictures. All every one of those pictures that has that you know the rink on there also has a logo on there. Also yeah. has a sponsorship on there, and all those sponsorships is just more money, more well, money. Well, just to be clear, you're you're talking about the fact because you work you work for. Uh, you know, MLB and MLB Network, but but there is a very direct affiliation with with uh, with the NHL there, correct? Yep. Yeah. You- I mean, so so MLB owns the rights to NHL Network and to um, NHL.com. So all the sponsorships are very very similar. It's a, it's a very it's the same process. I mean, we all deal with it um, constantly. So the money that we generate in those big events, the Stanley Cups, the World Series, the All Star Games. You know the outdoor games; they're all huge sponsorship, you know, events. That not only do they get sponsorship money for advertising, but they get sponsorship money because sponsors want to be there at those events as well. So it can be something that you throw in as here's our five year deal with this sponsor to be your, you know, the league wide soda company. And part of this is we'll also kind of give you. A dozen tickets to this event or we'll we'll make sure that you have um some event you know because usually a lot of these these big market events like this like an outdoor game they probably also have like some type of youth rink that's not too far away or some type of 
um, food and catering and something else that's going on that's also connected to it. So even if you only had 2,000 fans for something like this in the future because you don't want to have it too many and, and take away that scenic, even those sets of fans or the other things that you have with it, um, the before and afters, I mean, all those outdoor games, there's weeks upon weeks of before and after of like adult teams playing there and adult sponsorships, you know, like there might be a sponsor team that plays it. And that's just, it's more money that they're putting in. There's, there's money that's going into it without the gate. Yeah. I mean, it was what the, the, the Honda outdoor NHL outdoors at Tahoe and, you know, New Amsterdam vodka and truly hard seltzer. And like you could, you know, and, and so you can start naming off all the different, uh, because it's right there. It's right there on the boards. It's right there. You know, they, they probably had it, uh, stamped on the mountain in the background and things like that. It's, 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 it's everywhere you look. And uh, anytime it's posted on social media, they're, they're, the sponsors are tagged in it and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's, you, you, you find ways uh, to make money. And because like a game like this, you know, there's probably people that are going to tune in to an NHL game at Tahoe because, um, you know, oh, I went to a hockey game once and that's got to be pretty cool to see it at Lake Tahoe. So there's probably more people tuning into that game than a uh, Blue Jackets versus the Minnesota Wild on a Wednesday night uh, from Columbus. So, uh, you know, it, it, and if nothing else, you see it on the social media. And then the next thing you know, uh, you know, there's a, a cool event that happens in the game where there's something cool. And because these people are watching it on social media, the next thing they know, they're now interested in you know, uh, a Connor McDavid. They're now interested in a, you know, Johnny Goudreau that maybe they didn't know of or didn't hear of, but they saw this one picture, this one play, and now it's just something that shows up in their timeline, and now it starts something else future. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Let's, um, you know, since since we, we did kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, what you do and what we'll kind of transition uh, to that and, and, and to talk about some baseball because, you know, we're coming up now on, uh, you know, spring training is, is pretty much upon us and, and, and whatnot. But um, so you are a producer with uh, the MLB Network. So so um, what exactly is it, um, you know, that, that you do? I and mean, I'm sure there's no two days that are that are alike, but but just kind of in a general idea for people. What is it that, that you do? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm even more unique than a, a lot of people at my network. Uh, and this is just because. I can be an editor, I can be a cameraman, and I can be a producer both um, at, back at the office, which is in Secaucus, New Jersey, or on site like I am here in Tampa. Uh, and that mix and that ratio kind of depends from week to week and from event to event based on budgets, based on you know events and what we need. Uh, for me, a lot of times uh, I'm dealing with you know going out to different places, and right now I'm mostly producing in the field and then I'm providing a second camera if we need it. Um, I was at World Series and mostly at World Series as a producer so I would we would have a, a list of things that we had to do from a crew standpoint. Um, when I was at World Series we were doing a T-Mobile pregame show, uh, we did VR 360 stuff and then we also work on the World Series film which comes out weeks later. And for the most part of that, I'm producing the crew. I've got a camera guy, I've got an audio guy, and that's what we're doing. Um, but once the game starts, you know, maybe I know what the my camera guy is in the third base well, and he's good where he's at, and so um, I'll I'll pick up the camera and go somewhere else and shoot shoot as well. Um, so it can kind of mix and match, and then different points of the year, it might just be editing some of that stuff. So it's fun for me to 
to have that mix and match because if I were doing one thing 365, it would probably drive me insane. Um, if I was just sitting there editing video for 365, I would probably um, get bored or tired of it. If I was on the road for 365, I would probably be divorced because my wife wouldn't like that. <laughs> and, um, I, I think it's a nice balance to be able to do some of that stuff and that to have the skill sets nice because being an editor, I can kind of see what works well as a cameraman and vice versa. And just working with uh, the different cameramen as producers and having that skill set. So I kind of just do a mixed bag of things and it, it can be anything from working with sponsors on, you know, like I said, certain sponsor things that they want or working on features. Um, it's just a mixed bag, which is nice. Awesome. Yeah. Why, why don't we start at, at the world series and obviously we, we can, we can hit on some things and, and Sean, you know, <clears throat> we'll let you, uh, and we'll get into some kind of general stuff for the, the season. Oh, it's fine. I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm here to talk with uh, talk with Justin as well. The reason I you know, kind of facilitated this whole conglomeration of uh, of sports knowledge slash, you know, brought Justin in to learn from the rest of us. Um, <laughs> you know, we kind of did that, did that uh, kind of for him uh, as much as he's doing for us. Uh, we're letting you kind of learn from the learn from the pros here at. Uh, huddle up uh, you know, just kind of let you i'm drinking the knowledge drink it uh, in. Just, just drink it in you know uh, but i know you're about to go to the world series uh and i was going to point out before we got going uh justin Daniels not only uh works for mlb uh does a huge baseball fan always has been all along and not only that but i've always known him to be a dodgers fan uh was a very big dodgers fan and um i know james is going to get into it Justin, you got to work the bubble Yes, last year you got to work the playoff yeah. bubble and the World Series bubble. So you were in the bubble filming and and in the grand scheme of things not only did your your life and your career choice build up to a moment where you got to film a World Series, but you got to be essentially on the field filming uh in a scenario where no other fans were really getting to watch this uh as your favorite team won the World Series. Is that pretty much summing up what happened last year? Yeah, and it was interesting because so being part of the bubble, there was all these extra rules that were put in. So the first thing was we had to show up 10 days in advance and just stay in a hotel. I mean, like I'm in a hotel room right now and I couldn't leave the room. Like I'm not saying like I couldn't leave the hotel. I'm saying like I couldn't leave the room for 10 wow. days. The only, the only time I was allowed to leave the room was we were given one half hour a day where if we called up the security guy you know, we would allow to, to walk downstairs and we could walk in this outdoor section. And then one, and then every morning we had to go down and do a COVID test. So there was the only two times that I could literally leave my room. And then the rest, I just stayed in there. I got room service and that was it. So for 10 days, wow, not, just sitting there. And what was funny too is- I was going to say, was there somebody sitting outside your room, like monitoring that? So- for us, we were on the third floor. Like all of us who were in that quarantine section were on the third floor and there was a hall monitor at the end. So there was a guy just sitting at the end, just making sure. And, and you know, if we if we got up into the hallway and walked around, he wouldn't have really cared, but it was just the idea. I like, thought maybe they would have tied strings to the, right. the closing yeah. doors so if you tried opening it. Wouldn't as go. soon as you open it, like a, a bell rings at the end of the hallway, you know, it just wakes him up. Yeah, so like, and the and we were stationed right across the street. I mean, literally within a baseball's throw of where the Rangers were playing at Globe Life. And so while we're there for the World Series, we're there 10 days early um, as it's getting through, the, the NLCS is going on. And as you noted, I'm a Dodgers fan. So 
I'm watching the game on TV. I'm watching Fox, and I can hear the game because we're right across the street. Wow. And the really frustrating part of that was <laughs> the game, if you've ever watched TV and you ever know about live TV, the game is about eight seconds delayed. Oh. So there was multiple times, like game one, game. I think it was game one, there was – it was a close game. It was like 1-1 going into the ninth. And then Blake Trinan gave up a home run. And at first, I'm watching the game, and I'm like really tensely watching it. And I hear this like bang. I'm like, that's weird. And then I look over the TV, and, you know, it's a home run. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> And so for the rest of the NLCS, until we were out of quarantine. So, like, I think I was – we were finally allowed out of quarantine to, to actually go into the stadium, I think, by the end of game five. So for like those first four games, I'm just watching it and trying to find a way, hoping that like whatever noise is happening is only happening when the Dodgers are, are at the plate. And if they're not, I'm just like, please, hopefully it's loud enough that or it's not loud enough that I'm not hearing it and it's not ruining what I'm watching um, as a fan because all you know is you hear the noise and then you just got to – your heart is already sunk and then you've got to sit there and still watch what's going to happen, happen. Uh, you, know, you said that, you, you know, you got to go to the stadium then during the NLCS is what you're saying? Yeah, so like, I got – So we Did we you got, have an escort or like how did that work? Because you're still going to be like at the World Series. You still have to be quarantined. Correct. How so that work? Did, so what they did was we were in one hotel and then once you get clear, once you go through that 10-day that protocol – they moved us into a different hotel, which was now everybody who was in that hotel had been, you know, fully quarantined and was you're able to walk around because that so you're in that, your bubble. Literally, the bubble is that that other hotel. And so once you got there, we had to take a shuttle, a bubble shuttle that would take us to and from uh, the stadium. And it I would like drop the phrase "bubble shuttle." The images yeah. that are going through my mind are hilarious. Would, but go continue. Yeah, it would drop us off at like one tunnel spot underneath the stadium, and then like that's it. And, and you know, the interesting part is like we're—I I never was—I never once got into the stands. I was never—I I wasn't actually allowed to go further away. Like they dropped me off, and I'm right behind home plate. And the furthest I could pretty much walk was, you know, behind home plate, and I could maybe get out to the outfield. That was it. Like I. I couldn't go up into like the like on seat. the field level or or yeah. in in the seats. No, on the field level. I, I couldn't I couldn't go up into the seats. I wasn't allowed into the seats. I wasn't Jeez. allowed anywhere. So like I had what to. What a shame! Forward. What a what a there bummer! Was, yeah, there was because there was fans um, there, right? They had to keep you guys. Oh, that's yeah. right. There, I forgot that they had allowed some folks in there. Allowed, so, so, which was interesting for me as the Dodgers fan, like. Dodgers are down 3-1 going into the NLCS, going into game six, game five, game six, and then they win five, and then we're there for six and seven. And I'm shooting six and seven because at that point, we didn't even have a crew yet. I was just – my crew was still quarantining, so I was just shooting. Um, and so being on the field after they come back and win was like a really cool moment just to kind of be there and know like, all right, yep, World Series again, here it is. Um, and then, as you said, you're going through the World Series. I mean, the, the crazy parts of, of that whole World Series in the bubble, there's so many different things that are so unique. I mean, you're you're talking also not just a bubble of, of the World Series, but every game is at the same stadium, all the games. Right. Whether it's a Dodgers home game or not, there happen to be more Dodgers fans. So there's a, this weird feeling of like, 
Even when you're the road team, it's just kind of your jersey color. Right. The You're changing jersey colors, but there's still more Dodgers fans. And there's just like a, a weird feeling to it. Like I remember um, – So it's rigged is what you're telling me. It's rigged. Kershaw gets, gets taken out um, <laughs> during one of the games, and they're technically the away team. The Dodgers are the away team. And he gets taken out, and the crowd was just – be moaning the fact that like Kershaw's out. They're like, no, leave him in. Like, and they wanted him in because it was a Dodgers crowd. And it was just such a weird thing. And I'm sitting there like in the third base dugout. Well, shooting the game, which is right where the, the Rays are at. And it's weird to feel like you're right next to this team. That's supposed to be the home team and supposed to get some type of emotion or love out of something. And like, they're, it, they're the, they're the, they're the road dogs here, even though they're, technically the home team. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was a weird situation. And then uh, when it came time for the actual win, I mean, game six is wild because Blake Snell is absolutely um, lights Dialed out. In. And, and when they get, when he gets taken out, I mean, he's coming in and I, and I'm no more than, you know, five feet from him in the dugout. And, you know, you can see the physical dejection on his face, but you know, Give him credit. He didn't say anything. He, he, he I was going to say, what was his general – like, was his, his demeanor – could you tell if he was angry he, that he was being pulled yeah, or could, he, did he seem more upset that he didn't – No, he was like, – he, he, was, he, was he was mad that he was getting pulled. And like I said, credit to him for not saying that in the postgame presser and not putting the blame on anybody. But you could tell that he was And not still happy. has it. They've revisited to him several oh. times. Because <laughs> I've and, heard all of the – like, down here – like I've heard, and they go to Blake Snell. They're like, "Are you sh-? like?" They keep trying to get him to admit that Cash screwed up. Are you sure you won't do it? Well, are I you like, sure you don't hate Cash? Are you sure you don't want him dead? You know, and they're I, like, uh, "I laughed during the I laughed during the Super Bowl." I sent um, a couple of like texts to my friends. I saw one come in during the Super Bowl during the third quarter when Tampa Bay was up, and they're like, "The only way the Buccaneers are losing is if mm-hmm. Kevin Cash comes out of the stands and pulls Tom Brady." And pulls Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah that was, it was great. This is this is the one, um, and yeah. So like, it was just so wild. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he got taken out, you just you could feel it. I mean, even though there's nobody in the stands, like you can feel it. Uh, and then I finally make my way over to the Dodger side for the ninth inning, and I am running with Kershaw from the bullpen because Kershaw by this point goes out to the bullpen just in case. So I'm running with Kershaw from the bullpen into the scrum, and it's just like. What's what's crazy about it too is like two years ago, three years ago, 2017, Dodgers are facing the Astros, game seven, and I was going to be shooting. Used to be when the fans were there, like the there would be a fan that gives out the hats and the t-shirts, you know, so that they put on the hats and t-shirts. And there was like some fan that was it was their job to do that. So my job in that day was to follow that fan onto the field as they're giving the hats and t-shirts. I'm like, man, game seven, Dodger Stadium. My team could win. This is amazing. And then sure enough, they get blown out. And there's people that sent me pictures of like Ken Rosenthal doing an interview with somebody else. And I'm in the background holding a camera. And I'm sure I'm focused, but the look on my face is just <laughs> despondent. <laughs> so wait, did you, is it the same fan no matter which team gets them? Yeah, yeah. So you had to follow – like it's not like you had the Dodgers fan, no. It's, and like it's, you, like you were just like, ah, screw it. You had to literally follow this fan right. to deliver championship T-shirts to the team that just embarrassed your favorite team. Co- correct. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like, it's like a sweepstakes. Well, then you earn this one. Yeah. Right. So, like my. Like, I had to people, drop the camera. I just quit. Then yeah. I'm out people of here. sent me like text images of them watching <laughs> Fox, and they took the text image. They're like, of oh, your you face. Look, you look real thrilled, and they're like, <laughs> Ken Rosenthal, just like. Because you're there on TV, just, <laughs> just to jack, like you didn't even get to have that moment in peace. You like you're like working. Yeah, I guess so, that's the downside. So it was it was nice to kind of be on the other side of it for once. The and, agony of defeat. And, yeah, and not just that, but like you said, I mean, the amount of people that can say that they were Dodgers fans and watched that World Series live is very very small. Right. Like, because even if it's you're talking about 25%, there's 10,000 people there. Not all of them are Dodgers fans. I mean, there's essentially. Well, and of the ones that are Dodgers fans, how many are actually Dodgers fans? 100% right. point. Great, great point. Because there's definitely some people there that like. It's a popular uh, team. It's, it's a cool logo. Either, either it's that or there's, I mean, because it's also Texas, there's a lot of Mexican fan base. So you got Correct. Julio Orias. You know, you've got a couple of guys. That people have, that are just like a fan of someone on the Dodgers. Right. right. So like. The Mexican fan base for Julio Orias was was huge, uh, and then you know Victor Gonzalez. So those two guys have this Mexican fan base that are showing up, which makes it even bigger. And so like he gets the last out, which which was you well, know, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal a, a situation. But yeah, I mean, the amount of Dodgers fans that are there for that World Series, less than seven thousand, yeah, and I can that, I can play one of them. I mean, that's well. Let's keep in mind that every year that happens. Of, of the percentage of Dodgers fans that saw a World Series win live, uh, when you factor in the last one, uh, those people starting to die off, uh, Justin. You you might be one of the few if the Dodgers were to not win another one, which I know they're, you know, proverbial and kind of these favorites to, to keep it going. Uh, if they don't win another one for a while, you might be one of 7,000 Dodgers fans alive on the planet uh, to see it live, uh, and you got paid to do the whole thing. Yeah, I mean that's the crazy part, and to think of the that's amount dope. that's that's phenomenal that have that opportunity. I mean, I, I always think of it. I'm blessed every time, and, and just yeah. to be there. And I mean, I'm not usually the type of person who gets too you know caught up in stuff like that. But like, there's a certain point where after they're done celebrating, and after I'm, I've done my work, and there's the big sign that says "L.A. Dodgers World Series Champs," and they're taking pictures like. I've got to take a picture of me with that in the background. Right. Um, yeah. Have to. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to kind of hand it back to big Jim. I had, I had that kind of line of questioning planned Cause I know you and I were trying to set up an opportunity for you to uh, be on the show from the bubble. Uh, Cause you were in there officially. And, and it, you know, unfortunately uh, a lot of those games were on Tuesdays. Yeah. I mean, uh, so we didn't really get a lot of opportunity to, to get you on live. Like without, without even guessing right now, I can tell you right now, game one this year is on a Tuesday. Just well, there you go. Probably, the probably. That's, that's how they go. Tuesday, Wednesday, off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so, Sunday. So all of those questions I've, I've been holding since <laughs> I saw the Dodgers win and knew you were there. Uh, so, so uh, Jim, whatever else you got going. Yeah, I mean, you know, so so we we've obviously, you know, a year ago um, was was probably close to around the time when when things started to change. I know, Justin, we were talking a little bit, um, but before we went on air tonight and. and uh, like I remember, um, the, I, I listened to the President Steve show out of Philly um, every day, and and a couple of years ago they went down sure. and they broadcast from um, the 
the Philly spring training and they were going to do it again last year. And then obviously everything got shut down Two two of their uh, staff members were actually like, they flew down and they talked to a couple people like in a hotel because everything was, was pretty much shut down. And, and so it, it's, it's changed baseball, it changed hockey, it changed everything. So how, how in the last year has, has COVID and the pandemic changed you know, we, we know how it has changed baseball and the presentation and the ability to go to stadiums. But, like, how has it changed what, what, what you do and how, uh, you know, the, the Major League Baseball and MLB Network operate right now? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I would say has to do with, I mean, obviously we, we test all the time. Um, anytime I work on site or anytime I work at the building, I'm, I'm COVID testing, which that's kind of a policy that they started doing probably uh, – October when they, you know, when testing became a little bit um, more easier to access. Uh, so that's been a one change. I mean, the other big one is we don't travel much. Uh, it's, it's rare that I'm in this position where I'm traveling to another state. A lot of times we try and get as many freelancers from other areas to do some stuff because they're staying in the state and they've been there. Um, in terms of some of the bigger changes, like for, for instance, this year, the thing that I always a lot of times come down here for spring training is what we call photo day. And it's basically just this car wash, you know, anytime you see like those, you know, baseball card pictures and the guys holding the bat, that's where it comes from. It comes from photo day. Um, All the players line up in their Jersey and basically three or four teams a day do it. And it just kind of rotates in this carousel. So today the Phillies were doing it. And usually there's all these different media from, you know, the regular photographers to tops has got a, a crew there, you know, whatever sports cards are got a you know, crew or different types of um, like Fox sports might have one ESPN might have one and they've got all their list of things to do, whether it's just like, give me the, your name and Hey, you're watching MLB on Fox, something like that. And so one of the things that I do is um, we'll do these MLB international reads. So MLB is worldwide and it's all in all these different countries and instead of having all these countries that have a station come up and show up you know to spring training and there'd be 50,000 you know different stations here MLB International handles that and so I go as a crew and my job is to get these reads for 30 stations so there might be a read from Israel there might be a read from uh, United Kingdom there might be a read from uh, Panama and so that's kind of our drill so we do that so, so when, when you're when you're getting those international reads, and I don't mean to inter- interject, like are you are you targeting certain players so, that are yeah. popular in those regions? Yeah, usually what it is like the we, MLB International gets the request from this, you know, from the different stations, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stations know like if it's Mexico or if it's Panama, like yes, this is the guy that plays, you know, is from Panama. We would love to get him to say this, but if it's not him maybe these five or six other guys would be interested. So usually like the list is always like the top 10 guys that you can create in your head of the guys that you want. Now you go there with that list. Doesn't mean you get that list. Um, a great example and, and some insight for you guys. Uh, we would love to get Didi Gregorius today uh, for the Phillies because he speaks like five languages. He's phenomenal. He's oh, one. That's perfect. Yeah. He's awesome for stuff like this. You know, um, however, because he had issues with uh, his visa because um, basically the consulate in Curacao was closed. He is not on camp yet. Um, Wow. So Didi Gregorius, who's with the Phillies, is not yet at camp because of visa issues. And that's not 
And I'm sure that they'll quarantine whatever once he is yeah. here. Yeah. And it's not super weird. I mean, this happens a decent bit, especially with like um, the minor league guys and their visas yeah. because Well, and they only re-signed him uh, you know, a week or so ago anyway. It wasn't like it, you know, he's yeah. been under contract the whole time. But you would think that a guy at his level would have a little bit faster path through the through the visa you system. You would think. Um, so you know, we go there today. And he's not, not everywhere in the world has the same me first attitude uh, as the United States. Uh, <laughs> well, some of them are like, you are still just a citizen of this country. He, 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 yeah. he showed up and it was closed. So it didn't even matter. When the met, he's like, hey, can I get, is yeah. it, hello, he yeah. well, I'm uh, trying to get to the United States to make millions of dollars. Who's out front that told you, you know? <laughs> anybody, so we, somebody we, called? You know, we go down and, you know, obviously – uh, he's not on the list. So maybe we try and get somebody else, but it's a, it's a mixed match of, of the game of things. But so like today where what there would normally be on a day like this, 30 some crews, there's two, there's one photographer and yeah. us and that's it. Um, and we've got to, we've got to do a certain distancing. Um, the other yeah, thing I was going to try to let you know, like if, if you needed help at Philly's camp, I'd have been happy to get yeah. over there. Uh, Clearwater, I was going to bring Nick by. I was, was watching Nick all day today. Took a day off of teaching. Would have uh, been able to help hold a camera. I've done that before. Yeah, and, th and then the other thing that we do is they've got different tier systems. Um, so if you're tier one, you're a player, you're a coach. If you're tier two, you're media that, is, that has access to players. So like when I was in the bubble in the World Series, tier two. And then if you're like media that's on the concourse, that's never going to get close to the players, you're tier three. So there are different things that are that are new and and different in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of this is always changing too. I mean, even from team to team, this is one of the things that I always find so amazing with MLB, and I'm sure it's with the other leagues as well, is how one team feels the the rules are set does not necessarily mean that that's how the other team views them. So one PR staff might feel like, all right, you know, you've got to stay six feet away, and this is it, and don't even come close. And then another PR staff is like, the players are going to come out and you just tell them where to stand. I'm like, Oh, okay, that's fine. Great. You know? So it just depends on the PR staff, the, uh, of, you know, team to team, it can all be different. And so I was saying, maybe like where they're from, like their family members, like, you know, obviously like a, a team from like New York or Philadelphia where like, you know, everything was very like concentrated early and everybody got panicked from the virus versus a team from say, you know, Florida. the desert, yeah. <laughs> you I mean, know, maybe like, yeah, even, even or a just team a, from, I don't know, Florida might yeah, not even, give a crap. Even just the personality of the PR guys is, is or the PR staffs in general is always, I guess big. that makes sense to me. Uh, you know, there are some PR staffs that are like, you know, if I send out a request, you know, Rob butcher from the Cincinnati reds is their PR guy. And he's a very buttoned up guy. If you ask him for something, he tells you, yes, no, a, B, C, D. This is when this guy is going to come. This is when, and he's very buttoned up. Then you get some guys um, like Blake from the the Rangers, who's like, send me your request, uh, and then when you get down here, you guys can ask the player yourself. Okay. Wow. So it can be a, a mixed bag of just in from PR to PR staff. Of some guys are like, nope, I'm very hands on. I'll bring the player to you. You stay there. And some are like, I told the players, it's on you. If you want to ask them, if they want to say yes, up to you. Yeah, so you know, from team to team, from player to player, it can be different just based on the PR. So when you add in the COVID restrictions, same thing. Crazy. 
And a lot of people are going to ask uh, Jim uh, where where Huddle Up ranks on the MLB's tiers, <laughs> tier one, two, three, tier sixteen is where we wind up, we uh, which means we're not not only al- not allowed in the stadium, uh, they won't even let us in the state where the game's being played. No, that's uh, true. We we have to watch it from a full state away at least, uh, <laughs> even if it's our home state. I have to leave the state of Florida if we're covering a Marlins game, which yeah. is pretty crazy. Well, that's, uh, why, but, that's, that's why it's also helpful that I'm an Orioles fan. So that, yeah, because I don't. The Orioles to... are willing to overlook that if you're willing to. <laughs> if you admit you're watching an Orioles game, they'll just right, put well, you at home you, plate. No matter where you're watching, we'll allow you to do. It. Like you're going to cover an Orioles game, you're like, yeah, they'll be like, you could just be the umpire behind home plate. We don't have one right now. We got I, heard a, I heard a funny one uh, yesterday. I, I guess apparently um, the Miami Marlins are talking about allowing 20% fans for, uh, you know, starting right. the year. And I heard somebody respond saying, that's really advantageous thinking that they're going to double their attendance during a pandemic. <laughs> I believe I shared that on social media. I'm very yeah. excited about that. Very, yeah. very good. Uh, very good play. And, and mean, since Jim out. mentioned his favorite team, I had one other question for Justin that that's outside. And it just seems very relevant now, Justin, you're, you're kind of plugged in. You're, you're, you're down here at spring training. Uh, you're around MLB. Let's talk about Baltimore for a second. Uh, being on the inside, because from the outside, it looks pretty grim. Is there anything you've seen on the inside or or from spring training uh, that leads you to believe that Baltimore uh, is, is set up to to maybe be a contender? I mean, maybe I, I saw I saw a stat last week that gave like the odds. For teams to make, not not win the World Series, make the playoffs, right. and the Orioles were at zero point zero percent odds at making the playoffs. Is there right. any, anything, anything you're seeing better than zero point zero? I would say that the Orioles have a phenomenal chance of getting the number one pick. Well, there you go. I mean, they they've, they've, Ooh, got, they've got. I don't think they're the worst team in the league, though. I don't think they're the worst team in the league. But they're at the bottom. Yeah, they're they're pretty bad. It's it's like you know if there are if there are fish that feed on the bottom of the ocean or the the water, they're uh, they're 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 eating Orioles, is what you're yeah, telling they're, me. They're, they're link number two in the in the food chain at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, there's Look, not a lot of links ahead of them. I an argument could be made that they could be fourth in their division. An argument well, could be made. above the Blue Jays. No, the Blue Jays are good. Blue Jays, are not. <laughs> the Blue Jays are good. Orioles are not. Let's not. Let's not make it. Orioles not good. No, the Red Sox have sold off pieces. Oh, that's true. The argument that the Red Sox could finish fifth. So there is an argument to be had. So, you're, so James, your hope to your hope to not be last rests on Boston hey, not being good. better than the Red Sox. I'll take that hope every day. I Keep mean. In mind. That hope has nothing to do with Baltimore being good. No, the hope fine. is that Boston will be worse. Trust me, that's fine. And I'll as someone who hates Boston, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah. But keep in mind, Boston does not have a great track record of being terrible. I mean, they did for a long time. Not recently. I mean, the, the real issue is that if, if Boston is bad, their path back to being good is not far. Uh, no, they, it's not. Whereas Baltimore, who's already bad, they're willing to spend it. So you know, or most times, most years, they're willing to spend it, so they can get back pretty quickly. Baltimore's biggest problem isn't just what they have on their field; is their scouting is you know 
is not great. Their their farm it's system. It's what they're willing to spend. But their farm system isn't good. So even in areas where you're not having to spend a lot, they don't have farm a system. lot of talent at the bottom levels. Farm that, system scouting. Ownership. Ownership. <laughs> Team. It's, it's bad. Yeah. Roster. It's not good. Um, I mean, it's... it's they do have one of my favorite pitchers uh, in King Felix Hernandez, which I boom. I can root for that guy no matter what. Uh, sure. I feel bad that he bounced out of last year because of COVID, and he was he would have been on a Braves team that might have been the difference of them, you know, not losing to the Dodgers in seven. Um, so maybe I should be thankful that he took that year off. But right. uh, yeah, King Felix is great. I mean, they they've got some pieces. Trey Mancini is going to be back this year. Um, and that's he a huge all, story. Yeah, and he missed all. It's of not 20. quite Alex Smith huge, but it's pretty huge. Right, and he missed all of 2020. You know, so him coming back will be big. They got a few players that can be interesting in Montcastle or uh, Santander, but uh, you know, much more than bottom of the league. You know, fourth place. I I don't see it. So to paraphrase, no. the answer to the question. Do, have you seen anything to make them contenders? The, to paraphrase, the answer is no. No, like, unless, unless it's contenders for a top pick. There you go. Oh, well, there every, you go. Every every year, like when like it, it, if the, if the Capitals fail in the playoffs, when the Cowboys fail, <laughs> like I always go like I'm I'm kind of envious of these of these fans of like the you know the Florida Panthers because like they never have hope, and then I remind myself every springtime I'm like you're right. It is kind of nice to be a fan where you have no hope going zero. Into like that year, like the Orioles went and they were like lost in the ALCS to yeah. the Blue. I was like, that was such a fun year because like I never saw that coming. Like it just, it was, it never. And then the like next that. year, you go right back to no hope, right back to mediocrity. And, and yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, it was, it was yeah. wonderful. But, uh, but we we, we want to get uh, predictions for the year. But before I do that, the the only other question I have is, is like I mean, obviously, and, and it may have even been uh, the the World Series uh, thing, but. Um, what like what's one of the the, the most interesting things that, that that you've done or seen, um, in, in your job? Yeah, I mean, the bubble situation is completely unique unto itself. Um, I think what's interesting too is for me, just two months prior to the whole pandemic uh, going on, I was actually able to go with two players from the Washington Nationals who at that time were the World Series champions, um, Aaron Barrett and Adam Eaton. And I was able to go with them. That's silly, Adam Eaton. No, different. <sighs> yep. <laughs> I got uh, real excited there for a second. I, was just, yeah. I know that guy. And you're like, different guy. Like, oh, I know, man. This guy is a, is a left fielder. But I got to go with them um, on the USO tour to visit some troops over in Romania um, and Poland. And so that was like really interesting. Not only are you going to these countries that I don't know that I would have ever stepped foot in, um, in general. And I, you know, I've, it's been a couple of chances where I've done something like that. I, I got to go with, um, Jan Gomes years ago when he went back home to Brazil for, uh, just to visit, you know, he hadn't been back really since his playing days. So, um, but going on that USO tour with those two guys and then seeing, the military response from them. And then on our way home, we're on this big, you know, huge military aircraft. And I'm getting to have a catch, like a baseball catch, a nice 40 foot, 50 foot, really throwing it out there with an MLB player on 
a large military craft in the middle of the air. Like, you know, it's just a wild experience and thinking that, you know, I, I specifically like remember you sharing those photos and videos on Facebook and social media yeah. and thinking like, what an unbelievable job this guy has. And so unpredictable. Like it's not something that you go into that job or even get the job. Like even, even a, a you week had photos out the open doors of the airplane and things. Right. Even, even a week prior to that, if you had told me that that would have happened, I would have been like, Nope, I wouldn't have believed it. And I'm so right. for, to have experiences like that and like to be able to go all around the world and, um, all around the country. I mean, for that matter, you know, when I, Sean knows me from college. And so like when I left college, I remember thinking like, all right, I'm going to be in this one little area. And I didn't really think much of travel. And then here I am. And I've, you know, been in, you know, a handful of different countries because of baseball. And I've definitely been all across this country because of baseball. And so it's given me more than enough opportunities and, and blessings that uh, I could never repay. And you've been to Denny's in how many states? Forty-three different states. Forty-three and, different. Oh, states. And, and the seven, forty-three. And the seven states that I'm I was missing. I say, can you name the seven? Yes, and the seven states that I'm missing don't have baseball, right? Like they don't have some strong connection. It's it's You're Alaska. You have to like flank in from another state. Right. It's Alaska. It's the it's the two Dakotas. It's Idaho. It's Nebraska. It's Wyoming. Um, did I get them all? So, yeah. Have you I mean, been to one in Hawaii? Yes. I did that on, on my honeymoon with my wife. So, Dope. Um, so you need yeah. to take a second honeymoon to Alaska is what you're well, saying. So here's here's the plan. Here's how I think this works. Is I've got to probably take a, a separate. That's the hardest. Now, Alaska does have one major baseball event, which is during the summer solstice when the it's almost a 24-hour sun. They do have a 24-hour baseball like tournament, which is like slightly, it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, uh, not quite summer catch, like winter ball for right. college, but it's something like that. It's like gotcha. it's college guys that aren't quite in the majors that aren't drafted yet. And it's just a tournament and they, they play all, all. So we actually have sent a crew there once or twice. So there's a chance I could do that. Then as for the other six, I've literally just got to park it somewhere and then just make the drive. That's it. Just just go through the Dakotas, Idaho, just Wyoming. Just have to make a Denny's trip. Yep. Just got to. Just got to make it work. All right, Justin. Before we uh, before we close up here tonight, um, you know we're we're you know not too far away, about a little over a month uh, from the start of the baseball season. So we're going to put you on the spot. Do you have a prediction? Uh, World Series prediction for twenty twenty one. If I had to take a guess, I'm going to say Dodgers, White Sox. Um. um <laughs> Being on the White Sox, I think they've got all of the talent in terms of the offense. Uh, they had some of the pieces, you know, in terms of pitching that I think that they're just that much closer. Uh, the Yankees are the thing that everybody thinks they're big and bad, and, and they've got all the talent there. But you got to worry about the health of their top, you know, their top end players, Judge, Stanton, um, and their pitching staff isn't as deep as it used to be, especially now that they don't have Tanaka. Um, if if there's ever any issues with Cole, you can just put their season in the hole. That's it. It's gone. Um, and they've got an uphill battle just to get through. a lot of stock in him. Yeah, they've got an uphill battle just to get through their own division. I mean, I think the Blue Jays are going to be better, and the Rays constantly find a way. And the uh, Orioles can't be worse. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I the Dodgers, 
the biggest issue with the Dodgers repeating would be um, the Padres. I mean, the, the Padres might be the second best team in the entire league. Well, they're spending their money, that's for sure. They're spending their money, but, you know, the thing I always say is, like, thank goodness they're spending their money because how many teams, like, these owners and some of the GMs, they they, they, they make it seem like they, they don't have the money or they don't want to spend the money or they're just really capped against it. These teams have money. Spend it. Yeah, we're, not, we're not talking about the Orioles anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that conversation's gone. <laughs> so to see that the Padres are spending the money, good for them. Good for yeah. them. They haven't for a long time. Yeah, uh, they so, kind of just sat there in a, in their little own hole, and, and this, so yeah, and that, that's a good point. And when you and, and they only have a few more years left of some of their players, so like you take that, you know, that risk, you take that chance. I mean, it's kind of something that you know Jim and I have talked about before with like the Penguins and you know Malkin and Crosby. Like you've got a window, maximize that window. Like this is your chance, yeah. maximize it now. So if you wait until you know Machado in two or three years is past that point. Maybe all things start falling down. So, like, you've got the window. Go for it. So, the Padres have done everything right in this offseason, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Offseasons could be, you know, you could win the, the World Series of the offseason and not make the playoffs. You so, say the Dallas Cowboys have sometimes won Sometimes you pay Cliff Lee and you pay all these other pitchers to win you a World Series, uh, and the Yankees <laughs> still get you. So, you never know. Like, still at least got them there. So, um, but, yeah, I mean – if it's if I'm guessing, I think the Padres would take that. The Padres, yeah. if they just got in, More. would be like, see, <laughs> like, yeah. If I'm, guessing, I'm saying Dodgers, White Sox, um, but yeah, if you go up and down the list, Braves, Padres. Uh, if I had, if I had to take a guess, I wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers are the other wild card team along with the Padres, just because like a sneaky team Mets that could get in. Well, here's the thing. As good as the Mets are and as good as I, I think Lindor makes them, the rest of that division is really good. The Phillies are good. I mean, the Phillies were a really good team last year. Their pitching wasn't good. Their pitching was a little bit better. The Marlins are, are an up-and-coming team. It might be tougher to get to 85, 90 wins than you think in that division. And if you're not the number one team, then you're sitting there, how do I get to that, that wild card spot? Whereas the Brewers – Without the extra wins, yeah. Right, the Brewers might be behind the Cardinals, who got who got paid to take Nolan Arenado. The Brewers might be behind them, because they they're going to steal wins from the Cubs, from the Pirates, who aren't even showing up. So, you know, the Brewers might be the 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 two on there. And the same thing, the Padres will have little to nobody other than the Dodgers to deal with. So they'll rank up. You know, I think the Dodgers and the Padres are about as locked as you can get for a playoffs. Nice. All right, very good, uh, Justin. Um, if you if you have anything uh, to plug, any any social medias, anything like that 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 you uh, that people get connected with you. Um, otherwise, again, thank you for uh, joining us. It was a blast. No, thanks for having me, guys. I, I appreciate. It. I, I keep myself uh, tuned to you guys in, in the social media, and I uh, follow you guys. So, if anybody else who's watching it, they should uh, be following you guys as well. It's always an enjoyable time to to talk to you guys, whether it's you know on something like this or back and forth through uh, Facebook and Twitter messages. Yeah, no doubt. Totally. And I look forward to, to chilling with you here over the next couple of days. I'm sure we're going to find time to, to somehow hook up here in the next week. Yeah, I was given uh, – my camera guy gave me a couple of um, restaurant suggestions for us. So Very nice. Sean, where can, uh, where can people follow you? 
Well, as usual, you can follow me on the Twitter at Sean Shine State. It's S H A W N uh, Sean Shine State. I uh, just wanted to blast through a couple moments in sports history. We touched on the gold medal curling event that happened uh, uh, on the 24th back in 2018. Uh, but yesterday, uh, also Winter Olympic history, in 1980, yesterday, the miracle on ice, uh, the United States beat uh, the Soviets uh, in, in uh, essentially a qualifying game. Uh, but also uh, back in 1985 on today's date, another big hockey name, Patrick Roy made his NHL debut for the Montreal Canadiens on today's date uh, wow. back in 1985. So a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool hockey, uh, hockey day. But either way, um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks especially to Justin Daniels, my man, um, coming in and, uh, and putting his couple cents in and letting us know the scoop on the Orioles and Major League Baseball. Uh, Godspeed, everybody. We'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, of course, you can follow me at Big Jim Sports. Make sure you're following the show. We are at Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Huddle Up Pod on Instagram. Subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, all other podcast platforms. Check out our home network, of course, NGSC, NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. Until next time, guys, make sure you stay safe, stay smart, and as always, go for the win. Huddle Up Podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order?